This is actually a pretty significant time for the church. This, uh, if, if you didn't know this, this building we're in was constructed by the men of this congregation 32 years ago this month. Right, and that's they're gonna, the blueprints are up, up there on the screen. Um, and I think you'll agree that the guys who put all this together and who collectively built every square inch of this building did a pretty fine job, wouldn't you? And at the same time, though, it's important to keep in mind that these plans that were up on the screen there are plans for a building. They're not plans for a church. Amen. Okay? So that the wood and the cement and the, the pipes and the wiring and the carpet that have been put together at this location are really not Fairview Community Church. Those materials make up a building. But the church is made up of people. And more than just mere people, it's made up of genuine believers in Jesus Christ. That's the foundation. But church, if you don't start with and seek to maintain that foundation, it's really a waste of time to go any further with a building project, right? Uh, and in our text for today, the Apostle Paul has the same message as he counsels the Corinthian church, a church that he planted to reclaim the foundation of their faith. And so for you folks, if you're joining us for the very first time, uh, we do expository preaching here, which means we go uh, book by book, verse by verse through whole sections of the scripture. We don't just jump around. Uh, and so we're taking a really uh, long look, a deep dive into 1 Corinthians, and uh, we've made it all the way to chapter 3 today. So I hope you have your Bibles with you. If you do, I encourage you to uh, get out your Bible, your Bible app on your own phone so you can follow along, uh, and it will be on the screen as well. But I'll be reading to you 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 1 to 11. And listen now for the voice of the Spirit. Paul writes, But I, brothers, could not address you as spiritual people, but as people of the flesh, as infants in Christ. I fed you with milk, not solid food, for you were not ready for it. And even now, you're not ready, for you are still of the flesh. For while there is jealousy and strife among you, are you not of the flesh and behaving only in a human way? For when one says, I follow Paul, and another, I follow Apollos, are you not being merely human? What then is, is Apollos? What is Paul? Servants, through whom you believed, as the Lord assigned to each. I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the growth, so neither he nor who plants nor he who waters is anything. But only God who gives the growth. He who plants and he who waters are one. And each will receive his wages according to his labor. For we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field. God's building. According to the grace of God given to me like a skilled master builder, I laid a foundation and someone else is building upon it. Let each one take care how he builds upon it. For no one can lay a foundation other than that which is laid, which is Jesus Christ. And brothers and sisters, this is the word of the Lord to us this morning. Amen. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. Gracious Father, now that your word has been read and heard, give us humble, teachable, and obedient hearts that we may receive what you reveal and do all that you've commanded through Christ our Lord. Amen. Amen. So you can kind of see uh, the Apostle Paul uses a lot of a uh, stories, examples, comparisons here as he's writing to the Corinthians. Uh, and in that passage we just read, he uses the illustration of construction work to help his congregation understand the basis of their faith and the work of ministry in the church. And he's encouraging the Corinthians and us 
to be sure that we're building our lives on a solid foundation. Because, guys, you know this, the world out there is a scary place, right? Everywhere you look, whether it's in our own lives or on television or in the newspapers, there are people whose lives are falling into ruin. Thousands and thousands of individuals and families are right now headed for collapse. Relationships among people groups are crumbling. Government institutions are falling apart. Businesses are crashing. And you just have to ask yourself, why? Why, why, why are so many lives and so many people being ruined? And as confusing and upsetting as it all seems, the truth is that the answer can only be found in where the foundation of those lives has been placed. Has it been placed in self-referencing secular humanism? Or has it been placed in the wisdom of the Word of God? Because only one of those two are strong enough to support us when the waterfalls of life's issues start pouring down on us. And God would have us to know that He and He alone determines what constitutes a sure foundation. And that that foundation would only be found in the person and in the work of His Son, Jesus Christ, and His death on the cross. And His burial in a borrowed tomb. His resurrection from the dead and his ascension into heaven where he has sat down at the right hand of the Father to signify that that work was complete. And church, God wants us to know that it's a foundation that's been tested and that it's been proven sure and that it's a foundation that's solid and that it's unshakable and that it's flawless and that there can be no other building material on which to safely build our lives. That's the whole reason God inspired Paul to write this morning, for no one can lay any foundation other than the one we already have, Jesus Christ. And, and you can tell Paul's been kind of warming up to this topic as we saw in the last two weeks in his speaking of godly wisdom. And then today he kind of changes up the metaphor just a little bit to, to something else that's foundational to human life, namely food. Right? And he says, but I brothers could not address you as spiritual people but as people of the flesh as infants in christ I, fe I fed you with milk not solid food for you were not ready for it and even now you're not ready for it for you are still of the flesh and when he says this morning that he had given the corinthians spiritual milk in other words he'd given them an initial introduction into the faith and into spiritual life he said that just like babies have to be fed milk before they can have solid food he gave them spiritual milk because they weren't ready for anything more substantial. And he's telling them that they, they should have been all this time growing up into Christ and being guided by the Holy Spirit, but that their minds were too preoccupied with infantile thoughts. And their emotions were too plagued by childish wants. And that they were never going to get it all straight until they got back to a firm footing with the truth of God's holy word and with his plan for the salvation of his people. And that truth and that salvation plan wasn't just some new religion that Paul was trying to launch, but was the completion of a building project whose foundation actually starts all the way back in the Old Testament, uh, particularly in the, the Old Testament Torah reading that's assigned for this week, uh, where the story in Exodus 19 and 20 uh, continue the, the journey of Israelites' exodus from Egypt. And it tells us in chapter 19 uh, of Exodus, exactly two months after the Israelites left Egypt, 
they arrived at the wilderness of Sinai. And then Moses climbed the mountain to appear before God. And the Lord called to him from the mountain and he said, You've seen what I did to the Egyptians and you, you know how I carried you on eagles' wings and brought you to myself. And now if you'll obey me and keep my covenant, you'll be my own special treasure from among all the people of the earth. For all the earth belongs to me. And you'll be my kingdom of priests, my holy nation. And this is the message he told him he must give to the people of Israel. And so Moses returned from the mountain. And he called together the elders of the people and he told them everything the Lord had commanded him. And all the people responded together. We'll do everything the Lord has commanded So Moses brought the people's answer back to the Lord. The Bible continues on the morning of the third day, thunder roared, lightning flashed, a dense cloud came down on the mountain. It was a long blast from a ram's horn and all the people trembled. And all Mount Sinai was covered with smoke because the Lord had descended on it in the form of fire. And smoke billowed into the sky like smoke from a brick kiln. And the whole mountain shook violently. And as the blast of the ram's horn grew louder and louder, Moses spoke and God thundered his reply. And God spoke all of these words saying, I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself a carved image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or in the earth beneath or in the water under the earth. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Honor your father and your mother that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God has given you shall not murder, you shall not commit adultery, you shall not steal, you shall not bear false witness against your neighbor, you shall not covet your neighbor's house, you shall not covet your neighbor's wife or his male servant or his female servant or his ox or his donkey or anything that is your neighbor's. And then when the people heard the thunder and the loud blast of the ram's horn and when they saw the flashes of lightning and the smoke billowing from the mountain, they stood at a distance, trembling with fear. And they said to Moses, you speak to us and we'll listen. But don't let God speak directly to us or we'll die. And so as the people stood in the distance, Moses approached the dark cloud where God was. And so if you guys, if you remember the story from when we went through the Sunday school class, the book of Exodus tells us that God's people left Egypt immediately following their first Passover celebration. And they traveled for 44 days or until the third new moon. And they set up camp uh, opposite Mount Sinai, really very near the place where Moses had been originally commissioned by God to go and get them to start with. Moses climbs the mountain. And the Lord commanded him to tell the people that if they would obey him and keep his covenant, then they would be a kingdom of priests. And they'd be a holy nation. So Moses goes down and delivers the message and the people responded by saying, we'll do everything the Lord has commanded. But if you were paying attention to the timeline of the reading, the people gave that reply without ever even hearing what the commandments were going to be yet. And that takes some faith, doesn't it? 
Would anybody here ever sign a contract and then have someone fill in the details? If you were, come see me after church. Right? You're not going to do that, right? And so one commentator said this. He said the Jews standing at Mount Sinai singled their acceptance of the Torah and promised first to observe the laws of God and only afterward to learn what these laws were going to tame. But in that moment, they had such faith and confidence in the reliability of God and his word to him that they stake their whole future on whatever God had planned for them. May we do the same, right? And the story goes on to tell how on the morning of the third day that the Lord descended with thunder and with lightning and with billowing smoke from the fire of his presence and the mighty blast of the shofar horn. And then the Lord begins to recite these spiritual and moral foundations of his Ten Commandments so that all the, all the Israelites can hear them. As soon as they hear the voice of God, they're terrified. And they start crying out to Moses because they were convinced that they would quite literally die in the presence of this holy God. And all the people began falling back in fear. But instead of retreating too, Moses goes forward to be their go-between. To be their mediator with God. And he stands between him and the people. And as he does, the Bible says, the Lord said to Moses, build for me an altar. And offer your sacrifices to me, your sheep and goats and cattle. And build my altar wherever I cause my name to be remembered and I'll come to you and bless you. And so if you think about it, it's hard to see, uh, not hard to see rather, why the people were terrified, right? And it wasn't just for the spectacle of the sounds and the flashes of lightning that were going on around them. It was because of the turmoil inside of them when they realized that they would never be able to keep God's law. But guess what? That didn't come as a surprise to God, did it? No, he, he, he wasn't the first time he'd ever encountered humanity. And he doesn't get the people all the way out to Mount Sinai just to say, oh, you know, I never thought about you guys disobeying me. Now what am I going to do with you? No. This was just another brick in the wall of God's plan to repair the perfect creation that humanity had already destroyed. And God was giving the people a preview. He was giving the picture of his elaborate blueprint to do that perfectly in the Messiah. In fact, that's why Hebrews 10 tells us the old system under the laws of Moses was only a shadow, a dim preview of the good things to come, not the good things themselves. Sacrifices under that system were repeated again and again, year after year, and they were never able to provide perfect cleansing for those who came to worship. Uh, if they could have provided perfect cleansing, then the sacrifices would have stopped. For the worshipers would have been purified once and for all, and their feelings of guilt would have disappeared. Because church, those animal sacrifices only served as a temporary substitute. That is, the animal died in the place of the sinner, but only temporarily until they sinned again. Which is why the sacrifices need to be offered over and over and over again as a placeholder, as a, a token, as a symbol that foreshadowed Christ once and for all sacrifice on our behalf, providing the forgiveness that animal sacrifices could only illustrate. And serving as a sign to the Israelites and to us that true redemption is available not in the form of a great king or a mighty warrior or a wise leader and teacher, but in a personal savior. That's the foundational truth that rings out right from the preface of the Decalogue, from the, the preface of the Ten Commandments. Right, we talked about this in Sunday school this morning. As one commentator said, when the Holy Spirit spoke to the people of Israel, each one of them felt personally spoken to by God. And thus it says in the singular tense, I am the eternal one, your God, who brought you singularly, personally, 
out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery. And he continues, it's noteworthy that God began with the phrase, who delivered you from the land of Egypt, because instead of identifying himself as creator of the heavens and earth, or as ruler of the stars and the seas, God identifies himself first and foremost as a savior. Saying, I'm the Lord your God who delivered you. And how did he do it? How were the people delivered? Through the sacrifice of blood. Delivered by the hand of the one who stood between them and his people. Just like the people of Israel had seen pictured in Moses. And acted out in prophetic drama day after day. But Moses' intercession and those blood offerings were only an initial footer. But our Lord's foundation is everlasting. As the Apostle John writes in 1 John 2, he says, If anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. And brothers and sisters, Jesus is there in heaven right now at God's right hand, in the right hand of that throne room interceding for us. Which is exactly why the Apostle Paul was trying to get across to the Corinthians in talking about Christ as our foundation as we read. For no one can lay any foundation other than the one we already have. Jesus Christ. He's what holds the whole covenant all together. In fact, Jesus told us that himself in Matthew 5. Remember, he said, don't, don't misunderstand why I've come. I didn't come to abolish the law of Moses or the writings of the prophets. No, I came to accomplish their purpose. And I tell you the truth, until heaven and earth disappear, not even the smallest detail of God's law will disappear until its purpose is achieved. And when did that happen? When, when was that purpose achieved? When was it all done? When was that foundation complete? It happened in that dark moment on the cross when Jesus said, it is finished. It is finished. As his sacrificial substitutionary death pulled together all the elements of God's salvation blueprint, all those Old Testament prophecies and symbols and foreshadowings in his completed work of redemption so that we can by faith live as new creations in Christ, resting on the solid rock of Jesus' already finished work. Right? Which is exactly, I know you guys know that old hymn, How Firm a Foundation. Right? How firm a foundation, ye saints of the Lord, is laid for your faith in his excellent word. What more can he say than to you he has said, you who to Jesus for refuge have fled. In every condition, in sickness, in health, in poverty's veil or abounding in wealth, at home and abroad, on the land, on the sea, as thy days may demand, shall thy strength ever be. Fear not, I am with thee. O be not dismayed, for I am thy God and will still give thee aid. I'll strengthen and help thee and cause thee to stand upheld by my righteous omnipotent hand. When through the deep waters I cause thee to go, the rivers of woe shall not thee overflow. For I will be with thee, thy troubles to bless, and sanctify to thee thy deepest distress. And if you know the hymn, it goes on in that vein for several verses to the last verse of the hymn, which is my favorite. This is the soul that on Jesus has leaned for repose. I will not, I will not desert to its foes. That soul, though all hell should endeavor to shake, I'll never, no, never, no, never forsake. And you know, church, there is no question that the troubles and trials of this world can make us feel shaken. And that our lives sometimes are full of both fiery and painful trials. And there's no question that they make a real attempt to shake the underpinnings of our faith. But as we go to the Lord's table this morning, I want to ask you to ask yourself, do you have Jesus Christ as your firm foundation? Have you trusted him today 
to be the eternal basis of your complete redemption. A redemption that was bought and paid for not with perishable things, but with the body and blood of Jesus Christ. And you better be sure, because church, the voice of God is speaking today, and it's speaking to you. And it only leaves two options. Keep the whole law perfectly from the moment of your conception in the womb. Or look to the sure foundation of that perfect Savior. That greater Moses. Jesus the Messiah. And I call heaven and earth to record this day against you. That I have set before you life and death. Blessing and cursing. Therefore church choose life as the spirit gives ears to hear what we pray. Will you pray with me? Father God is truly right in our greatest joy. Always and everywhere to give you thanks and praise. Especially in this holy supper. Recalling that perfect sacrifice once offered on the cross by our Lord Jesus Christ and asking you by the joy of his resurrection and in expectation of his sure coming again that you unite us in your truth and love so that we can confess your name and sit together at one table. And so come now, Lord, and continue your transforming work in this time and in this place that eyes may be opened, and that hearts may be radically changed by the good news of the gospel. And remembering now your mighty acts in Jesus Christ, we take from your creation this bread and this wine. And we ask you to pour out your spirit upon us and upon these your gifts. This meal may be for us a communion with our Lord Jesus Christ in whose name we pray.